HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's December 15th, 2015. What a great show we have lined up tonight. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And we've got some special guests, including Hutch from the new Culinary Institute of America, Brooklyn Brewery Outposts in Hyde Park, New York. Jesse and Laura from soon-to-be Interboro Spirits and Ales, which will be coming to you right here in Brooklyn. And, of course, we're happy to welcome our winner host, co-host Ann Pacera. Hello. Right. Also known as Ann Likes Beer. So <laughs> Ann, you know, I didn't understand this. You got kicked off Facebook. How did that happen? Yeah, apparently they don't think Likes Beer is my real name. So Ann Likes Beer is how <laughs> I know you. I know, and that's the thing. You know, I think uh, they're trying to get as much personal info on there as they possibly can. What are you going to do? Hopefully soon they'll ease up a little bit. Well, since you're not on Facebook, you can follow us at Beer underscore Sessions on Twitter. And uh, what's your Twitter? It says Ann Likes Beer, right? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. And Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. All right. So, Hutch, uh, we'll start with you, man. Sure. We knew you from brewing at Crossroads up in Athens, New York. Love so many of your beers, especially the uh, Outrage IPA. And uh, tell us how you got involved with the, the Culinary Institute of America and Brooklyn Brewery. What do they do? They set up a, a brewing program? Yeah, basically. And, and you were up there, too, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, this goes back a couple of years, um, where Brooklyn, you know, Garrett is very, Garrett Oliver, very food forward and very, the, like, the cutting edge of pairing beer and food. So he's been working with the Culinary Institute for a long time, kind of developed the partnership. Culinary has a beverage specialty that the, the bachelor students can take uh, that goes into mixology and wine and they have a campus in napa valley so they really wanted to round out their beer program so this is like three four years in the making and the brewery just opened up uh, in october so we have a brewery on campus in the student commons right in the student center Uh, we have a class called the art and science of brewing the students can take and they have classroom um basically lecture with one of the professors and i serve as the lab 
So they get they go into class two days nice. a week. And what, can the students buy growlers on campus? Yep, get growlers on That's campus, amazing. beers on tap. Okay. Yeah, love that. And they can make and they can help me make the beer that they then can get their friends to buy. So. And what was it like? You, you were up there for a visit the other day. I don't think I can say enough. I am um, trying to figure out how to live there, work there, eat there, <laughs> sleep there. Um, it's just fantastic. You know, I think that it's a natural progression for chefs and for future restaurant management, anyone in the industry really to have an understanding of beer and really well-made beer handcrafted um, how it goes with food how it is food you know one of the things that I fell in love with as well they have a Groot garden and they have all these herbs and different spices that they're going to be able to play with and just to go out and kind of pick your own ingredients for the beer I was having a lot of envy there (laughs) when I saw it yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun so what's the curriculum like in terms of making beer as far as for the students? Does, does, yeah, does every student get no. to make beer? You, ha- you have to take this class. Um, the class is only open to the bachelor's level students. Uh, most of them are seniors. So actually, they had their final today. Most of them graduate on Thursday. Um, and yeah, basically, they have, you know, they go through all the raw ingredients. It's, it's really focused more on brewing than it is about beer appreciation. So there is some tasting that goes on. But it's more about the process. You know, a lot of these students are in the, going to be in management. They're going to be in hospitality. They're going to be either front or back of the house. A lot of them are going to go into R&D. Um, there were some guys there talking to Dogfish Head came to our most recent career fair, and one of the students was talking to them about logistics. She has a Navy background, like shipping stuff. And so she wants to go into, like, managing how beer is shipped around the world for craft beer brewing companies. So... They learn about, like I said, raw ingredients. They learn about... Uh, I, was, I always forget all the jobs that, that there are in this industry. There's a lot of them that uh, we need that don't exist yet. <laughs> and I think a lot of these students are going to end up being in those positions uh, because they bring a really cool... They have uh, you know this whole other education that doesn't really exist in our industry. You know, Most of us are brewers. And maybe you move up the ladder. Maybe you start your own business. Maybe you... Um, you know, get more into the management, but you're you're still came to it from the actual. I'm the guy who makes beer side, not the, you know, I know how to run a multi million dollar facility side. So, so, what are some jobs that, that we need or we don't have in brewing? I think. Well, I think as you see craft brewing exploding and you see like things scaling up, right? You know, it's not how many. I mean, think about the people you know who are starting breweries who may very well not end up being the brewer anymore. You know, they go into the ownership side, and they go into the management side, and then as you expand, you know, you've got the wholesalers are exploding too, right? They're all you got all these new little wholesalers coming up who want to represent craft beer. You've got um, kind of a wave of improved legislation, so there's a political side to things. Uh, and then, you know, obviously for me, I'm seeing things from the culinary perspective. So I think that uh, I think when I say that there's jobs that don't exist yet, it's because we don't know what they are yet. Yeah, but they're going to be there. And Ann, what what would your ideal beer job be? You're starting have to say you're not doing it already. I know. Yeah. I kind of have. I mean, no. The thing is, what I love about this is. Again, being able to wear many hats and do different things. You know, today I did all the ordering for a bar. You know, tomorrow I might be doing, like today I'm doing a radio show, you know, that I'm teaching a class, judging a beer competition. I mean, there's so many things that kind of go into it, writing an article. You know, it's every day is different and every day is exciting and there's always something new. And again, partnering with bringing the food element into it, I'm happy. So you ordered beer today for what? Taproom 307? What what are some beers that you ordered? Draft beers? (laughs) Well, we have a several party this is party season so i my goodness probably about 40 kegs today i'm a little overwhelmed i can't even remember off the top of my head but um get back to me stuff <laughs> a lot a lot <laughs> of talking about stuff. career suite we got uh laura and, and jesse i was thinking as jesse from carton because you yeah, you great. helped open up carton jesse ferguson yeah and now you're kind of jesse at other half yeah working there jesse at other half and uh jesse at carton two of my uh 
pseudonyms. And uh, Laura and I are starting Interborough. Um, so then I'll be Interborough Jesse. Like spring 2016. Yeah, 2016 for sure. And Laura, how did you? Because we know we know Jesse as a brewer uh, for many years, but but you're like some kind of like management person. So we're getting like sophisticated. <laughs> it's management true. Sophisticated true. people getting into the brewing industry. Well, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as sophisticated. It's just more about you know the interest on the business side, as as Justin was talking about. There there are lots of different jobs that go into making a successful brewery and distillery as we're going to do you know you do need to know about logistics you do need to understand all the personnel aspects all of the different uh pieces that come into getting that great product that jesse's going to produce out to everybody so you know my hope is that i can bring some skill to that side that uh will free jesse up to do what he does best. And when you guys open up, we're not going to talk about jobs all night, but, but you started at Soft Hodge. Yeah. When you open up, what are some of the positions you're going to hire besides, you know, brewers and people in the brewery? Uh, you know, primarily, we're going to take advantage of self-distribution in uh, New York City and New York State. So um, sales is obviously the very first thing that we're going to focus on and, and getting somebody who can, you know, represent our brand and, and take it out to all the accounts. And then... Um, you know what as Hutch mentioned the the changing legislative uh, landscape is is making it really easy for breweries to um, sell product direct to consumers on site so having hospitality and on site and food is you know allow us to hopefully um, underwrite a business that will grow and, and thrive for a number of years but what you're doing at, at CIA is different, really. It's, it's really a department educational. Yeah, education comes first, for sure. Um, you know, they're really trying to round out the culinary students' experience, give them the tools to kind of, as they go out into the culinary world, you know, think of beer and appreciate beer as, on the level they do wine, um, to make it that much, to the point where, you know, we get to stop having that conversation about talking about how great beer is with food. Like, we all know beer is great with food. It's really forgiving. Uh I hope that really soon we just stop even having to mention it, you know, because people know already. But, um, yeah, it's really about the education. So we're really focused more on obviously making beer for the, the students, making beer for the five restaurants on the CIA campus, um, but then getting people in there. And we're really just kind of scratching the tip of that. And I know you're teaching, but uh, you're probably learning a lot, right, working with chefs. And I know you had mentioned something about the vocabulary and yeah. sort of what they ta- their take on it versus a, a brewer's. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's been really cool. I get to go sit in the class a lot, and, um, you know, they do a lot of tastings, uh, which is cool because Professor Miller, goes, Doug Miller, uh, goes and buys lots of really expensive beers at halftime and, uh, <laughs> that, I, you know, I don't want to spend money on. And then we sit there and try them, and I get to listen to the students talk about tasting beer. And they really come at it from a culinary perspective where they've been tasting different food products the whole time they've been there. I mean, they have a class where they're sitting down and, okay, here's eight squashes. Let's try these eight squashes and talk about them. So they're used to describing flavors, and they come at it from a totally different vocabulary than brewers do. You know, we talk about hoppy and piney and caddy and those things, and they're talking about, you know, bean paste and umami and, uh, you know, where there's originals candies and things like that, like descriptive (laughs) terms that are accurate and, like, really strike a chord with me. But that I never would have used that word. Um, so I, I've been learning as much from them as they're, you know, as, as I, they're learning from me. Yeah, and I think that you know when you're when you're a brewer, bring and when you talk about staff and, and education, a lot of what you're doing is educating your community and your staff about how to talk about beer with each other, and you know, 
it's it's fun to taste beer with people who are you know, are new to tasting it and can and can describe flavors that you know come you know you, oh I never would have thought of that mm-hmm. but then suddenly it becomes part of your tasting vocabulary and you know I think that uh, it is a it's an experience and it's a it's fun well, thing let's to let's share let's taste this beer that we have so this is a tell us this is an IPA sure, that was made at at the Culinary, Culinary yeah. Institute yeah this is Cleaver it's one of our two flagship beers now, who makes this beer. Uh, well, I brewed this one. <laughs> you brewed it. Yeah. So we just got started. This is actually, uh, this was our fourth batch of beer, our second batch of IPA. Um, American IPA, 6.7%, a lot of mosaic, uh, some centennial, a lot of centennial, Amarillo, and little Simcoe. So, Jesse, what, what words would you use to describe the taste? Not Werther's, but... <laughs> no, there's definitely no Werther's in this. No, no. No. No caramel. Um, I, you know, I'm getting a lot of tropical fruit and uh, tangy sort of citrus flavors. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Ann? Mm. Just the first, since, <laughs> yeah. since we're talking about students tasting beer. Yeah, absolutely. The same, the tropical white fruit, like the flesh of the fruit. Um, not spice is the wrong word, but it's very juicy. You know, I could drink this all day. What about you, Laura, since you're not a brewer? <laughs> you know, there are, there are so many different flavors going on at once, which is great. I love the, I feel like I can taste a, a variety of the hops going on all at once. And I would say, wow, it kind of tastes like Outrage IPA from Crossroads, <laughs> but not quite. I was very purposeful not to, to use the same hops. And it's actually very different beer, but uh, it's very hop forward, which Outrage was, and I'm, I'm very proud of that beer as well. So, so it sounds like we should all go to CIA and take a class. Please do. And, yeah, and please do. It sounds like they must be have a lot of fun tasting your beers. They do. And, uh, and they have a lot of fun getting their hands dirty and... I haven't had to rake out a mash yet, which is great. And, oh, they do all that? Uh, they do everything. Oh, wow. They all love, they've learned the joy of cleaning kegs, which is fantastic. Well, we know, so, you know, talking about, I, I see, I'm making fun of you, Hutch, but, you know, you're you're a teacher now as much sure. as a brewer. Yeah. And you came in, you, you look like a teacher, you got a clean shirt. Well, he was and there's a teacher. Jess, but there's <laughs> Jesse here, who's, who's still working the other half, what, since four this morning. He's, he's five, rubbing five, his eyes, five. he looks tired, he's scruffy face and a t-shirt on. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to a, a day tomorrow of uh, racking beer into 300-liter barrels and then cleaning while I clean kegs. So, you know, sort of multi I understand. I understand. It's fun, though. Maybe you can get some interns. I know. I know. Other half, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun working over there. It's a big family of, uh, of friends, and uh, it, it, we all share responsibilities and workload pretty well. So uh, I'm, I, I alternate. Between. I was on the brew house today for two brews, and then tomorrow I'll be, you know, racking barrels and flipping kegs. And well, it's, a, it's a lot of hard work, you know. Yeah, it is. It also helps when you get to make a great product and you get to oh, work yeah. for somebody who is doing very well. Yeah, you and, know, and people who have a, a vision based on quality. Yeah, you know, it's 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 very fulfilling work. No, it sure is, man. I had a, I had a other half forever ever IPA. Here at Roberta's on the way in. I brewed two batches of that today. I can tell. I, it was your I have a keg of tough coming yeah. in this week. <laughs> hey, quick shout out. Uh, don't forget, it's the end of the year. It's heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. And, and if you're a business that's listening, you're a bar, a restaurant, or a brewery, uh, check it out. There's, there's business memberships and sponsorships available. And uh, it's got a great reach. People listening from Sweden to Michigan to Florida. We know because they come to visit us in New York City. So, hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions. All right. In 1996, El Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a great show here. we got Hutch from the Cloner Institute of America, Brooklyn Brewery Brewing and School Program. Yep. You got to, you got to go to school and, and brew beer. That's right. So, so w- we're tasting some of your beers. We're moving on to a stout. So yep. what, what's it? What are this? You said something about the class people. Yeah, absolutely. I can't even so, talk right now. So every class, beers are so good. It's had the IPA. I'm loving it. Every class of students gets a chance to help kind of inspire and create a beer that will go on tap. So um, we talk about recipe development class, but we also talk about saleability and seasonability. So because we have an IPA and a wit on tap, you know, I talk to them a lot about, all right, we're going to brew a third beer. What do you guys want to brew? What's going to stand out? What's going to sell? Like, sure, we could use some really cool ingredients, but is this something that's going to sell in this setting? So we decided to brew a stout, and uh, then we talked a little bit about, okay, what do you want to put in it? What kind of flavors are you looking to get out of the stout? So we decided to do an oatmeal stout uh, with a lot of espresso-y, chocolatey character. I uh, wanted to keep it full-bodied but not heavy, so the oats definitely help with that. Um, and so we called it Cast Iron Stout. So, you know, a lot of our, our beers are going to have culinary names. Uh, the students got to name this one. Uh, and I'm really happy with that. I'm really happy with how it came out. I'll tell you, for the number of people that are opening their own breweries, and like like Jesse and Laura, you guys are opening Innerboro soon, it's also interesting to see that people, as, they, as they're kind of growing up in the industry, many of these higher Cicerone-level people, brewers like yourself, Hutch, getting into different jobs. Did you ever think that you'd be teaching brewing at a, at a major educational institution? Uh, I, I have thought about it in the past because I actually taught middle school before I became a brewer. Um, so I've always liked teaching. I didn't particularly like middle schoolers. I was going to say. Uh, yeah, nobody likes <laughs> seventh are more fun. Even and now he can hang out with his students <laughs> right. and drink beer. Nobody likes seventh graders. So um, I, uh, I got into beer after that, <laughs> but I always have enjoyed like training people and talking about beer and like getting people passionate about it. So uh, when the job came available, it was sort of like a no-brainer to go after it. You love going up there, didn't you, Anne? Oh, my God. It's fantastic. <clears throat> this was funny because... We had a lunch and paired, you know, all these beers with different courses. And one thing that really stood out, I mean, all the desserts were delicious, but they did oatmeal cookies with spent grain. And it was one of the best expressions of spent grain. It was just like taking a bite of a brewery and in the best way possible, like that je ne sais quoi that you get when you walk into a brewery, the smell of the of the grain. And that paired with this beer was mm-hmm. just perfect. It's delicious. One thing in the restaurant business, I always like the CIA grads because they really learn everything. They, yeah. they, they start with the proper techniques for even in di- washing dishes. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're really helpful cleaning up and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Taking the spent grain <laughs> and making cookies. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. Feeding him grapes. No. Yeah, well, it's not going that far, but you know. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun so far. Hey, hey, Hutch, how much beer do they brew or how much beer do you brew? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, we have a seven barrel facility. Um, Three fermenters, one bright. So our max will be probably 500 barrels a year, but I don't think we'll hit that. I think it's going to be down around, because we only sell on campus to our own restaurants, I think it's going to be like 250, 300. 
um, depending on how thirsty the students are. I was going to say, well, until the growlers really start taking off yeah, and, and, and the parties and, we'll the and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and the public can come in and, and drink beer also and, and buy growlers to go. Uh, and then we have graduations, things like that. But there also are about four to five weeks of the year where the school is 100% closed. So that's, you know, whatever one month out of the year would be that you basically can't do any business. Um, which is fine. We're going to throw some lagers in the tank and let them sit there. We got a month to let them sit on. So and let's 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 taste this stout that you yeah, made. absolutely. Uh, I'm really happy with how it came out. You know, this was our batch. I think this was batch number five. So uh, I actually was mostly happy that it was a successful brew day and the mash didn't get stuck too badly, and I was able to actually make a batch of beer at that point. Uh, but then the flavors came out all right too. So it's mm. is, this, is this what? It's an American stout, oatmeal stout. Yeah, yeah, about five point eight. The kick of smoke. It's great, too. It's not that heavy. Right. I mean, you get so much flavor, especially for today, wearing a T-shirt in December. But, you know, you kind of want those rich, full flavors, and it's still relatively light-bodied, mm-hmm. effervescent, bubbly. I'll tell you, if I went to any of the restaurants at uh, CIA and had your IPA or their stout, I'd be very happy. Yeah, you know, so. and, and you know, I'm going to pull up an article that, that, that I read yesterday. There's an Englishman, Pete Brown. Some of you, do you know him, Jesse? Yeah, they're right. Pete Baum, he writes a, a blog and he talks about a lot of things. His, his article yesterday was about how craft beer is kind mm-hmm. of like expanding and is there even a, a necessity to use the term craft beer? And uh, you, you should check it out, Pete Brown's blog. If you haven't read it, we, we won't talk about it. But what it's making me think about is just how great it is to have a really good, straightforward stout and IPA. With, with, and I think what he was saying is that just because it's craft or just because they're small producers doesn't mean the beer is good. But I'm going to take exception to that. I think that of the, the brewers that we know and the work they've put in, I think that in New York City, all, all the <laughs> new small breweries are great. And every, and it's, I can't feel like it's a heyday in New York. So. I don't know. You've you've went from Carton to other half, and now you guys are talking about Interborough. You know, it, do you feel like there's room for another small brewery in New York City? Yeah, I think that I think it's I think you know. Luckily, New York City is a very thirsty market, and um, you know, with the amount of education uh, of the consumers that's happening with and the quality of the beers that are out there, and you know, there's and there's so many good accounts now that are specializing in beer and providing really good curation in terms of their their taps and they're turning over their taps and and you know again i've come back to the education side in terms of being a brewer and working with consumers and accounts in terms of talking about you know quality freshness um and you know the flavors and so that people start to learn that um you know, it's not about how rare things are. It's not about how hard things are to get. It's about, to me, as a brewer, it's about drinkability, and which is a, a word that gets thrown around a lot. But I think that it's it really it defines what I like. You know, it, it defines uh, like this stout is is very you know it's got a really light body and and uh, it makes it something that you get a session and you could sit and have a pint or two with some friends and and I love it when you get to go to a. a, a an account or a bar and have uh, you know multiple offerings like this that you can hey I'll have a refill come on yeah, yeah well, I was exactly. going to say too not to uh, like keep saying this but you know to bring up that point but it's like there's so much in the market right now it's flooded my email's insane every single day and what's been standing out to me lately has been the really solid exp- like well made beers not necessarily the craziest and to go back to Crossroads I mean we did a, a Crossroads event at Blind Tiger and there was you know we I'm very lucky we get to chase everything that kind of comes into the city every possible weird ingredient you could think of and the they have a stout that uh, Hutch made the Black Rock stout that to me stood out like just 
I couldn't believe how much it stood out, and it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't barrel-aged, imperial, this, this, no weird ingredients. It was just a solid, well-made stout, and I wouldn't shut up about it. And I was so like impressed by it, and I think, what did you guys win? GAB, what, what, you took home like all the, all the medals uh, or something. World Beer Cup and GABF, yeah. Yeah, World Beer Cup and GABF, and it's, like, it's nice when people recognize like it doesn't have to be you know, the craziest thing under the sun to be really delicious. I mean, that's sort of like also personal style too, right? I mean, getting back to your original point, I was going to say just on this aside, I, as an upstate guy, I've been in upstate New York for the last 12 years brewing. I've been super impressed by all the new breweries here in the city. Um, I, I honestly, I never thought we'd see New York come this far as a beer city. I thought it would be, it was financially too hard to have a production facility you know, that was anywhere really close to a good part of the city. And I'm obviously very wrong about that, which is great. Uh, but I've been super impressed by Other Half and Threes and a lot of the other places yeah. that are doing grim, that are doing amazing beers. Um, and so, yeah. And I'm not knocking the craze. Don't get me wrong. I love that as well. I just think that, you know, there's a place for everything. And I think no, I no, appreciate when good. people Yeah, people I, I think there's one. I want to just bring that in because Pete Brown's a great writer. And I think he was trying to say that don't discount what a, a large brewery can make. And I and even saying, you know, Guinness is making good beers. And that's all fine. I don't just want to talk about the, the, the really big breweries. But I, I just wanted to say that I think that in New York City, all the new breweries are doing good. And I think because everyone's coming in with, with skills and there's money and there's good equipment. And it's not like 20 years ago where some they were all using the same kind of outdated English system. With, sure. What was the yeast? The Ringwald yeast? Ringwald. Which, Ringwald, is, yeah, which yeah. people still <laughs> think Molly is bad. Ringwald but there's so, a lot of, I mean, there's also a lot of passion. And I think that's what drives, I, you know, I always... I trust brewers who love beer and who love to drink beer. And I think that, you know, for the most part, if you're making what you want to drink and what you love, then there's a good chance, as long as you've got that background in, in the use of the, the technical side, you know, transmitter, you know, they're making tiny batches of beer, but they make really good beer. And, you know. Yeah. So now you guys have a chance. So you and Laura, you have the chance to kind of like pretty much create something that's with all your experience. And, and everything that you feel like is is right in the world, and we'll, we don't, we'll forget <laughs> to, the distilling part. But what is that brewery going to be, Jesse? I, you know, it's going to be we're going to make a, uh, thirty barrels of beer at a time, and we're going to make beer that is, uh, you know, essentially. Uh, that when I'm not going to. I'm doing my best not to pigeonhole myself. I'm not. I, you know, I think it's a big mistake when brewers open up. No, and no, say but just what? Gonna, tell us some of, some of the ideas you have that that inspired you. Oh well, you know. I mean, I'm like I said, I, I like session beers. I like hops. I like mixed fermentations. I like barrel aged projects that range from um, you know mixed fermentation in in wood with bacteria uh, like Pediococcus or um, Lactobacillus. I like sours. Um, I really like unfiltered lagers. Um, I love I, you know one of my favorite beers that we I made at Carton was the Carton of Milk Session Milk Stout, four percent alcohol. I just got that today. Jimmy's number forty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love when I find that beer on draft in New York, and and it's a beer that gets sent to New York from from New Jersey, which is great. And you know, I love boat beer, and I love double IPAs. I, you know, my I, my goal is to create a portfolio of flavors that's wide enough that there's something for anybody who really enjoys beer. Um, and I think that's a lot of people. <laughs> and what, Laura, what, what brought you to, to Jesse? How did you guys meet? Uh, we met through a, a mutual connection, actually a relative of Jesse's uh, wife's. Um, and um, it was just kind of one of those moments where this, 
this friend of mine said, you really have to meet Jesse. And I said, well, okay, that sounds good. Why don't we, why don't we get together? And it was, we, we kept meeting, kept meeting and, and talking about what we were both interested in doing and really came together with the idea of Interborough over, I guess it was probably six or eight months um, working together on it. So. And what do you think of Jesse as a brewer? You can tell us honestly. <laughs> like Johnny LaRue. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't believe in him wholeheartedly. But we love 110%. him too, man. I'll tell you, when, when, when uh, Carton Boat came out, that just blew me away. I think for two years I had it online nonstop. Yeah, yeah. yeah we always knew we could get boat at Jimmy's when we were in the city. <laughs> but still, you know, we, we're, we're impressed by your skills. And if you don't mind asking, what's your role at Other Half now? Because I know they're expanding, but you're, you're working there. I'm a, I, you know, I'm a... I'm, I'm, by definition, a shift brewer. So, I mean, I show up uh, and brew Sam's recipes uh, to, I mean, as best I can and to the T. Um, you know, Sam has a real clear vision. Sam and Matt put the other half together and have had just phenomenal success. And, and it's based on, you know, just really exploiting hops to the, like, you know, the I, it's unbelievable. The, the, I think at the first week I was there, we brewed five different IPAs. And, <laughs> you know, at, uh, I think at Carton the entire time, we probably brewed, you know, seven in, in four years. So it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great time. I really enjoy it. And like I said, I'm working with a great group of guys. And, uh, it, you know, I love it. It's fun. I, I, I would only be leaving to do my own thing. And if you were going to be part of a brewery that was opening in New York City, what would be some one key thing that you would have? It, one key thing, and what do you mean? I don't know. What, like if, one, if, an if you element? had a, say an element of the brewery that you think would be really important, um, humility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, really, that's the just, best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of competition, and you got to really be in it for the right reasons, and you know, be dedicated and and not care just about the bottom line and it's a long road and there's a lot of things that are going to happen and you have to love it and you have to be cool i mean it's a community yeah i agree 100 percent. you know i read a quote today it was, a, it was a dumb quote from edible manhattan but i thought it'd be good for the show it just said when you're brewing a, a you have a fair amount of downtime so picking your brew buddies you have to pick your brew buddies wisely <laughs> so That's i don't a, know a great does, quote i think does, what does that mean is that is that something you have to go through do you guys brew by yourselves or I I, uh, I spend a lot of time in the morning brewing by myself, listening to my buddies Charlie Mingus and uh, Miles Davis, and then around nine or ten when the distribution guys show up, and uh, then I got good buddies to change it to a Fetty Wap and yeah. uh, <laughs> Sweet. and uh, you know whatever hardcore gangster rap we could think of for the day. Um, yeah, no, I think it's 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 a lifestyle and and it's. It is about being with good people, and it's about finding people who you want to spend time with um, because it's a long day, and it's a lot of work, and you're counting on people. You're counting on people. And it's any job, right? But you're counting on people to pull their weight and, and do their job. What about you, Hutch, when you're brewing? Uh, I think it probably means get a dog. <laughs> you know, have somebody yeah, we'll, there to we'll keep have you company. The brewery dog. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. I mean, Jesse's right. Like, you spent, you know, in the, in the production breweries, you spend a lot of early mornings by yourself. You know, listen to the tunes. So, uh, for me, I have a whole classroom of students. So, yeah, and they grain out for you. They grain out for me. They clean the kegs. It's fantastic. 
But at the same time, you know, picking the people you're around all the time. Sure. What is it, the airport test? You know, if you are sitting stuck in an airport and you meet somebody, do you want to sit there and talk with them while you're waiting for your plane, or do you want to go look you back wanna, on your You want to be with your dog. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't right. mind having a dog here, too. <laughs> all right. Dogs are always welcome. Hey, this is cool, man. We're having a great time, and we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Diamond. And I'm Claudia Wu. And we're the founders of Radio Cherry Bomb, which airs every Thursday at 1 o'clock on the Heritage Radio Network. We're nothing without our listeners, literally. Heritage Radio Network is a not-for-profit organization, and we rely on listener support. So, when you have a minute, go check out heritageradionetwork.org and click on Beating Heart. It's literally a beating heart. Give what you can. We appreciate every dime. We love bringing you conversations with the coolest women in food. So, help us continue to do that. Thank you for listening, and thank you for donating. You're, You're the, the bomb. bomb. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. That was Cherry Bomb, Radio Cherry Bomb ladies. So they're cool. They say it. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and, uh, you know, click the Cherry Bomb, whatever it is. But we need you, and we're closing out the year. We have a new website and uh, a lot of cool things. So Anne, Anne likes beer. I'm calling you Anne likes beer because that's, that's cool. how I know you. Works. Even though Facebook won't let you use it. <laughs> so you brought us a beer from what? Taproom 307? I did. It's on draft at Taproom 307. It's actually all the way from Italy. Um, I felt sticking with the theme of sort of the culinary you know, background and the, and the pairings and things like that. I think one of the most exciting scenes is coming out of Italy. I think you know the pairing aspect is never a second, like an afterthought. I think a lot of the brewers go in thinking, how is this going to work on the table? How is this going to work with, with beer? This is um, from Del Borgo, Bira Del Borgo. Del Borgo. Del Borgo, and it's, uh, it's called the Duquesa, and Duquesa. it's a Saison, and it's brewed with local farro. Bira Del Borgo. Duquesa. <laughs> Nailed it. But yeah, they do it with farro, and I think, again, when we were talking about your, the gardens at CIA and the idea of going out and actually giving beer a sense of place, which, you know, since you can get everything from anywhere, you can ship your hops, you can treat your water giving beer a sense of place is really is something cool that doesn't happen all that often anymore and uh, I think the Italians are doing it really really well with with their local chestnuts and and grape must and different things and I just think this is great and it's I had this in a place in Florence with lunch like a, a pesto gnocchi and they happened to have this one beer it was the only artisanal beer they had the only thing they had and it was like heaven so yeah, good you like it yeah you like it <laughs> I always I always love right. Del Borgo you know We've had them on a few times. So th- that's a beautiful story, Ann. And, um, <laughs> you know, we got Hudson Valley, Sense of Place, Hutch, working up at CIA, and, and you going to Italy. And, and what, what, tell us more about Interbro. My first question is, besides Sense of Place, is how do you get to have a brewery and distillery in the same, is it the same facility? 
Is is that kind of a new law? Or are you guys just like really it smart? Is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not new. It's not new. The 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 thing is is that you know for the, all the licensing, it's really about you know literally protecting the revenue. They're they're interested in in the taxation as much as anything else, and so you know as far as doing both brewing and distilling it's as we know it's a lot of the same ingredients and and a lot of the same processes you know when it's something definitely that we'll talk about on the education side about talking to people about the fact that you know as you're making whiskeys and and different spirits you're really starting with those same ingredients of grain yeast and water right um but you know as far as being able to do it in the same place it's really you know in talking with the folks in the federal government and the state government that regulate these things it's really about for them understanding how we're doing it and making sure that we're you know dotting our i's and crossing our t's Jesse are you going to brew and distill Yeah so I'm going to um be using the same equipment to make beer as we do um to make distillate um although with distillate we'll obviously need a still um so you essentially make i mean you know you make beer before you make any sort of distillate other than i guess rum or tequila where they don't it's not beer it's not grain based but for most grain based distillates um so yeah i attended a course in in louisville kentucky um got some hand on hands-on time with a still and did a lot of organic or you know sensory training around the various uh alcohol compounds that come off of the still at different vaporization points try not to get too geeky here but it's a lot of the same off flavors that come through in bad fermentations in beer so if you ever home brewed and made a banana beer or an apple beer um, which I did both of my, those are my first two beers I ever brewed. Um, those are both th- compounds that are created by fermentation that once you put in a barrel and age become complexity in barrel age distillate, whether it be rum, whiskey, scotch, uh, or whatever. Um, so for me, it's just a very sort of exciting horizon of, um, you know, I've been brewing beer now for five years um, on a production scale, and I love it, and I love every aspect of actually making beer. And this is going to be, uh, you know, a chance to make a new product and but build on the foundation of, that I've sort of built. Uh, I could say build probably one more time, um, but <laughs> uh, you know, and and with flavor because it's all about flavor, right? It's all about bringing flavor to the table um, that you can share with people. Do you guys know like what your first spirit is going to be on the market? Is that kind of you still figuring it out? Or I mean, obviously some things take a lot of years, yeah, and you can't just for move sure, out. for sure. You know, the one that I keep going back to for me. I mean, you know, you might look at it and say, okay, well, we've got the beer side and the spirit side, but and I did come from from more on the spirit side, but. For, for me, it's really about the flavors and how we're going to bring it together and how we're going to talk to people about the spectrum of products and flavor over form is the term I, I like to go back to. It's, you know, who cares what the ABV is? What are the flavors, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the one I come back to over and over again is rye, right? You take rye and you make a rye ale and then you make a rye IPA, right? Now you've got a couple different flavors you're building on. You can distill that. Right, and then make a rye white spirit mm-hmm. out of that would be you could call it moonshine if you wanted. There's not really a definition around that, 
uh, or you could call it white dog or white whiskey. And then you put it in a barrel and you see where you go. You could put it in a five-gallon barrel and after six, nine months, 18 months and see how it, how it ages, you could put it in a, in a real big barrel and, and see how it goes after four years. And I think that, that those different flavors would be interesting to bring to the public and talk about. You know, where, where do all those flavors come from? Since you guys are going to have both the brewery and the distillery, are you going to try and be... I don't want to say duplicating, but really tying the two together, like having a rye, a rye yeah, beer yeah, and a rye sure. whiskey. Or yeah, and then gin is another product right. that is, you know, it's a botanical load. It's a white it's a white distillate that um, is defined by what the botanical load, sort of like hop additions. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hopped gins out there now, too. So it's another opportunity for us to play with flavors that would intermingle between beer and, and spirits. You know, a lot, a lot of breweries are, are starting to, to distill. Like we, we hung out with New Holland not too long ago. We had a show with them. Ballast Point. Um, is that the end of brewing? I mean, is it is it a bad <laughs> thing that brewers are going to end up... Because I know in Scotland, no. and I'll be no. the devil's advocate, no, but not at all. in Scotland forever, it was like they only... It seemed like many brewers only brewed so that they could, you know, provide product for the, the whiskey companies. And... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you seriously, though, because it's like, you know, brewing is, is it's one hand, it's the end product, and we want to have great brews, but it, it, are you serving two masters if you're going to be a brewery and distillery? Well, it That's a tough question. Look at that. <laughs> I think, I think in the, the end of the day, they serve different purposes, right, to a certain extent. You know, the, the times that you drink them, or even the people who are drawn to them, sometimes they're different, or you're d- drawn to them at different times of day. Um, I think that if we bring the flavors, you know, you know, you know, Beer in the morning lunch. versus at lunch and that kind of thing. Um, but I think that uh, I think that you can do both uh, and show off the flavor profiles in in all its forms. And then for sense of place, you guys are actually going to be out right out here in Bushwick, aren't you? We are. We Not are. To, you, can you walk to your brewery from Roberta's? Yeah, it's a fifteen minute walk. Wow, nice. Yeah. Talk about beer tours. We come out to Bushwick. You can go to Hop Hop and Hawks. You can go to Pine Box Pine Rock Box. Shop. Yeah. You can go to uh, soon Interbar, but you don't know when you're opening, do you? No. In 2016, 100%. I'll stand behind that. <laughs> well, also, too, what's cool about that is, you know, as much as we love food and beer pairings, I love whiskey and beer pairings. I mean, I have a mile-long list of amazing whiskey styles that go beautifully with, you know, with yeah, beer. Right. And I think, obviously, we're talking about sessionability. Everyone uses that term. You can't really have a sessionable whiskey you know what i mean or, i mean i guess you could depending on who you May are. I have another glass of your uh, del borgo i love the italian craft beer okay everyone gets a chance to ask a question because this is different for us we've never interviewed people so far out from opening their brewery because you, you could be many months away so hutch and then ann ask these guys a question about their brewery uh, are you guys going to use the same brand name for both the distillates and the, the beers? Yeah. So Interborough is going to be over the you know the overarching brand, and we're going to do our best based on what we were saying in terms of trying to tie flavor and education into all this. It, it's going to be Interborough. Um, brands will be by flavor, essentially. I mean, individual I can flavors. Kind of, I can kind of see the gift pack now. You know, you can come Christmas time, two hundred fifty bucks, nice basket, <laughs> bunch of stuff, some whiskey, some growlers, some yeah. cans. Yeah, well, okay, so let me think. What, what, I guess, ratio do you want serving your neighborhood and serving the community as sort of a bar or a tasting room, which you're going to have that, no? Okay, mm-hmm. I guess we I should are. have asked that. Yeah. Um, versus getting out into other bars and other places outside, you know, in New York City. And, you know, is it going to be more bar first, pub, brew pub first? And then if you have extra kegs, you can kind of give them out to people? Or is it meant for distribution? 
Yeah, we see ourselves as a production brewery. I okay. think the benefit of being in New York City will allow us to have the presence in the neighborhood and serve the community and have people be able to come in and see what we're doing. Um, that was one of the benefits of being able to open here in, in New York. I think having people come and see what we are up to and be able to taste on site is a really great thing, but it's really the production that we're, that we're aiming towards. Can we ask Hutch questions, too? Yeah, go for it. All right. Is there an ingredient that you've always wanted to use or are thinking about you know, using that you've never, ever used in a beer, but you really want to experiment and get in there and see how it goes? Good question. That is a good question. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many that I've never used. You know, as a brew pub guy, um, mostly, in my background, I did a lot of different stuff, but was never, like, crazy experimental. Um I mean, we were up in that brew garden. I mean, there's so many things the other day that I know. I've I was never even used. like, "Oh, what if we?" I've, you know. I've never used rosemary in beer. Uh, I've used lavender. I probably won't do that again. Um, <laughs> I would not recommend. I, I've been that. down that road. Yeah, like, <laughs> the white afro the lesson, it, right? lesson learned is that uh, little lavender goes a really long, long, way. long. Yeah, way. I didn't mean to make a lavender beer. But, but so now, now with your new program, you're going to be picking what different ingredients from gardens and yeah. I mean, we're going to try and grow things. a lot of stuff. We have access to a lot. I mean, in the Hudson Valley, there's so many farms. There's so much stuff right at our fingertips. Um, I don't. You know what? There's probably some really cool stuff I don't even know about, Ann. Like yeah. that's what I'm going to use. It's something I've never heard of, and I don't. Same know question for Jess, Jesse. What am I going to use that I've never used before? Or is there a dream ingredient? I, I, uh, I'm really stuck on tamarind right now, and the flavor of tamarind, um, sort of subtle and slightly tart. Um, it's very mildly sweet, and um, I'm really interested in playing with flavors that are typically contributed by hops that could be could right. be woven into recipes as in I mean for me I play at Carton I played with a ton of really crazy flavors and for me it's all about um, keeping the perceptibility of the flavors at just past perceptible for me or for whatever sort of base tasting group I'm working with um, I really don't like it when flavors that are, are are odd or, or are like in your face. I like to really make things taste like beer and then have subtle yeah, subtle it, back notes. Keep of it all other. balanced. Yeah, like the, uh, the Panzanella beer. I mean, you know, I could go through a list a mile long. You know what I mean? Uh, of beers that that Augie and I made. That you guys, are, you guys. I would say you, you definitely push the limits. But but I had a passionate discussion once with a chef, and we talked about your Panzanella beer from Carton. And I was like, yeah, it had like you know the ve- vegetable qualities and some tomatoey thing. And, and then he's like, no, but dude, if it's a Panzanella, it has to have tomatoes and cucumbers and, 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 and bread. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, I guess the beer is the bread. But. Well, the, yeah. the concept. It's the idea. I just had a great beer brewed with tomatoes at. Uh, at Italy's new rooftop, their sort of pop-up baita, and it's with it was a wit with tomato and um, I forget what the other ingredients were, but it worked. The acidity worked. You know? No, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It creates a lot of conversations. Wow, this is a really great show. You know, Hutch, congratulations. We're, if you can go up there to go up to Culinary Institute of America, check out the Brooklyn Brewery sponsored uh, brewery with Hutch, and for you guys, I'm, you're going to be back because I know when you open in sometime in t- 2016. We'll have you on, and we can also uh, taste some of your beers. And Anne, anything going on for you coming up? Any media appearances or things yeah, people should know about? Probably. Well, now I'm working on a website and a bunch of, I mean, maybe within the next two weeks I can talk a little bit more about it. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, yeah. it's great having you on. So uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Hutz, Jesse, Laura, and 
Someone else. And for being here on the Hellers Heritage Network. Bye bye. I'm Thanks, Jimmy sir. Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Justin and Maggie and Jack Kinsley. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.